Welcome to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. We're continuing our Oregon Inventors series with inventors who've done some pretty amazing things before even graduating from high school. From cats to semiconductors, these very motivated teenagers were inspired to tackle a variety of challenges. And for the most part, they did it on their own. DIY means do it yourself. Sometimes I can do without help. DIY means I try to do it all by myself. La la la. 17 year old Bailey Delante and her family are really into sharks. The Delante household tunes in religiously during Discovery Channel's annual Shark Week. One particular story really stuck with Bailey. While boogie boarding, a boy got attacked by a shark that bit off his leg. He lost so much blood that he couldn't swim ashore. It was the horrified looks on the faces of the boy's family that really affected Bailey. I would hate for my parents to see that or like if I had to see that happen to my sister and it was just like, is there a certain way that we can prevent something like this from happening? And even though shark attacks are rare, she thought if she could just save one person, it would be worth it. So she came up with a very practical solution. I invented a wetsuit that has tourniquets in the arms and the legs, over the auxiliary artery in the arms and the femoral artery in the legs. Bailey is quick to point out that the suit would also protect against other kinds of accidents. Say if you're injured in the water either by a propeller or you're cut or you're bitten by a shark, you grab the strap on either arm or leg and then you pull it and it activates the tourniquet, constricting the blood flow so you don't bleed out. One of her teachers encouraged her to enter a contest for student inventors in Central Oregon where she lives. She was surprised when she won the $500 first prize. And Bailey's parents are so excited about her project that they're working on getting it patented. Her mom, Lorinda, has big dreams for the tourney suit. Hopefully it goes all the way. Um, Bailey wants to become a doctor, so it'd be really nice if it paid for the Ivy League college that she wants to go to. Bailey is actually not the only teenage inventor submitting an application to the patent office. There are kids doing amazing projects all over the country and the world. The thing about kids is they're able to look at long-standing problems with a fresh perspective. And they're not intimidated by the unknown. It's hard to imagine Harsha Upili could be intimidated by much of anything in the world of science. As a high school senior, he was getting up early in the morning before school to read articles about the latest advances in device physics. When he saw a press release from the Harvard School of Engineering and Applied Sciences with the headline, Synaptic Transistor Learns While It Computes, he jumped right in. As soon as I saw the title, read the first few lines, I knew that is what I wanted to do. I knew that's what I'd be devoting most of my time to. Okay, so a transistor is a basic component of any electronic device, and a synaptic transistor is one that works like a synapse in the human brain. With my very limited knowledge of electrical engineering, this basically sounds like magic to me. Harsha did his best to explain. Synapses dominate the architecture of our brains. The stronger the synapses, the more capabilities we have. So I wanted to mimic that principle of ionic conduction in my field effect transistor. And so then every time I applied a pulse of voltage to my device, it had a higher peak output. It could do more. It, had a high, it was teaching itself. It was learning. You don't find that in a normal device. 
Harsha's project didn't just mimic what the Harvard researchers had done. He created his own synaptic device using different materials than the Harvard guys used. And he took the idea further by creating a mathematical modeling system to demonstrate the viability of his device. By any standard, his project is, in a word, advanced. I uh, use a plasma-enhanced chemical vapor deposition uh, to induce a silicon dioxide layer uh, that was heavily phosphorus-doped. And the phosphorus-doped enables for the ionic conduction uh, analogous to a synapse because phosphorus, when exposed to H2O... I got in touch with someone who actually understands what Harsha is talking about. Jian Shi is a postdoctoral fellow at Harvard, and he's one of the researchers who created the original synaptic transistor project. Jian took a look at Harsha's work, and he was impressed. I was surprised that uh, he had very great understanding and deep understanding on such kind of uh, semiconductor devices and also its emulation on human brains. Well, what kind of grade would you give him if you were, if you were grading this paper, if he was your student? Yeah, A. Yeah, A. <laughs> You'd give him an A? Yeah, yeah. Straight A, yeah. But remember... Harsha is not a graduate student. He hasn't even started college yet. He worked on this project alongside a normal class load, including calculus, microbiology, and post-colonial literature. And he held his own on the varsity tennis team at his high school. Every day of winter break would be 15-hour days. Every day off from school would be 15-hour uh, days. Some day, uh, Fridays, uh, even Thursdays, I'd spend six, seven hours in the lab. Do you remember that moment when you were like, oh my gosh, it works? Yes, I do. It's uh, <laughs> especially after spending so many hours just theorizing and wondering. And there's always that doubt. Did you do this properly, especially when exploring the unknown, exploring innovation? Um, when I saw the result that I saw that every time that there was an increased pulse, I just sat there gleefully just enjoying the moment. I probably didn't touch anything for the next half hour. Harsha took his project to the Intel Northwest Science Expo, where he won Best in Fair. That qualified him for the International Science and Engineering Fair, or Intel ISEF. It's an annual gathering of winners from regional fairs around the world, about 1,700 kids competing for top prizes in more than a dozen categories. Harsha ended up taking home multiple awards for engineering and innovation. He also got a special award from NASA. It's almost like a rock concert in a way, so... The first place award winners in engineering, materials, and bioengineering are... So they'll say, from Portland, Oregon, Harsha Upili. From Portland, Oregon, Harsha Sudarsan Upili. In the video from the award ceremony, you can see Harsha decked out in a suit, sauntering up to the stage with one hand in his pocket. As he approaches the front of the room, he can't help but grin around his braces, slapping his hand over his heart. Is it frustrating for you that, that you did something so cool that you, you can't, like, necessarily explain to a lot of people? Like, when we, when we first got here, you know, we saw some people in the hallway, and, and they asked you what you had there in, in your hand, and you sort of said, oh, it's, it's a little science project. Well, it is a little science project. There's a, that, is not, uh, that is not false. Um, I mean, I'm proud of what I did. I don't expect everyone else to be, like, very interested in it. Uh, I mean, so, I, no, not really. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Oh, thanks. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Harsha just graduated from Oregon Episcopal School in Portland, and he's headed to Georgia Tech in the fall.
Here at Destination DIY Headquarters, a.k.a. the spare bedroom at my house, we have a little bit of a cat problem. Like most felines, my two cats, Miles and Roxy, expect to be the center of attention at all times. And they can't understand why Destination DIY engineer Brian Kramer won't pet them. Brian has some pretty serious cat allergies. And as a precaution, we've made the guest room slash studio a cat-free zone. I recently learned that some cats are more likely to trigger allergies than others. Unfortunately, we don't know where Roxy and Miles fall on that scale. But what if there were a way to find out just how much a particular animal would affect someone with allergies? At 17, Savannah Tobin had the same question. She's always been a cat lover, but her mom is allergic to cats. <laughs> and so I did some like research and found out that there are like certain breeds of cats that are supposed to be like anecdotally hypoallergenic, meaning that like they don't cause allergies. Savannah ended up adopting a Russian blue cat named Safira. Safira didn't aggravate her mom's allergies at all. That piqued Savannah's curiosity. And so then I kind of started looking into that and found out about like how there's a protein called FELD1 or Felis domesticus 1. And it's um, in cat saliva. And then when they're grooming themselves, they're coating their bodies in the protein. So when people are allergic to cats, it's the cat's saliva and not their fur that's actually causing the reaction. And so then I hypothesized that maybe not all cats were producing the same amount of this protein because if some cats were causing allergies, but like Safira doesn't cause her any allergies, then um, I thought maybe there was something I could do to figure out if I could quantify the amount of protein so we could like distinguish between cats. Savannah volunteered at the Willamette Humane Society in Salem. She thought that a test for this protein that causes cat allergies might help spur cat adoptions. So if like random stray cats have like the possibility or the capability of being um, just as kind of hypoallergenic as the purebred cat, then if people knew that they could adopt those cats and like that's this access that we don't have, we, we just don't know about it yet. But if you could shed the light on that and like have the information available, then that could connect a lot of people with animals that they like didn't think they'd be able to have. Savannah took her idea to her science teacher at West Salem High School, and he helped connect her with Allison Fisher. And I'm an associate professor in the Department of Chemistry at Willamette University here in Salem, Oregon. Allison agreed to let Savannah use her lab space over the summer to test out her hypothesis. And then it was just a step-by-step -step process, and nothing worked at all, ever. It was terrible. Savannah spent hours in the lab, all through June and July. She got some technical help from Allison, but Allison primarily works with plants. So she suggested Savannah contact some other scientists who had experience testing human saliva using a similar method. And she just emailed them and told them a little bit about what she wanted to do and asked them if they thought it might work and got some suggestions from them as well. And I thought, you know, there are very few high school students who would just cold email a distinguished professor like that. She obviously came across as somebody much more mature. After two months of lab work with no successful results, Savannah had a breakthrough. And I was kind of freaking out. I was like, this is like so fantastic because nothing has worked for two whole months. And like, obviously that's not a really long time, but I was like 18. I was like, that's forever in my world, but it's not really. Um, but I was like so excited because it meant that like there was possibilities for the future. And Savannah wasn't the only one freaking out in the lab that day. I remember um, looking at the data and my first response was, oh my gosh, it worked. <laughs> Savannah continued to work on her project in the lab for hours after school, all through the fall and into February. It was just like a given that I was like, 
the cat person scientist that just wasn't doing high school work I was like doing my own thing this was pretty much my life and like I just went all in that hard work paid off like Harsha Savannah also got to take her project to Intel ISEF she won first place and best in fair in the biochemistry category she got some scholarship money and a trip to Sweden to attend the Nobel Prize ceremony. You think it's like a special thing that like there's a high school kid working in like a lab and doing all this like sophisticated work. But then like in reality, there's like 1600 other kids that are like doing it all across the country. It's pretty awe-inspiring. She's just finished up her freshman year at UC Davis, where she's majoring in, what else, animal biology. Savannah acknowledges that there's still quite a lot of work to be done in order to verify her cat allergen test. She and her dad are working on filing a patent for it. She's not really that interested in the business side of things, but she does want her work to have a real-world application someday. That's the whole point. That's the reason why I like, tried to create this, so that people could get benefit out of it and like the animals could benefit from it. Well, I know two cats and one sneezy audio engineer who could definitely benefit. Let us know when that test becomes available. Bailey Delanti, Harsha Upili. Savannah Tobin. Remember their names. These are the innovators of the future. Whether you suffer from cat allergies or worry about shark bites, or you want a computer that works more like your brain, they've got you covered. And I can't wait to see what these kids come up with next. Thanks for tuning in to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier, and I produced this episode with help from engineer Brian Kramer, editor Laura Haddon, and producer Jamie Cuddy. Our summer intern is Sasha Peters. Gray Ann created the Destination DIY theme song. In this episode, you also heard music composed and performed by Jason Leonard and Richie Young. We get legal help from Cole Haver. Funding for the Oregon Inventors series comes from the Regional Arts and Culture Council. Support for Destination DIY also comes from Leanne Locker and Associates, crafting strategic arts and letters for good. More information is at leannelocker.com. And we couldn't do what we do without the support of our generous, terrific, magnificent listeners like Amy Wexler and her daughters Talia and Sophia. Take it away, girls. Hi, this is Sophia and Talia. In Portland, Oregon, the Destination DIY podcast is available for free pretty much any way you want it. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course, you can always find them at destinationdiy.org. You'll find photos, audio archives, and all kinds of web-only content. All the details are at destinationdiy.org. And they're on Twitter and Facebook. Just look for Destination DIY. And don't forget, it's not too late to support the show like we did. Just look for the Please Donate link on the website, destinationdiy.org. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening! listening.